that I was going to be in church and not play church. The last party, I never went back. I never turned my back on God. 47 years ago, I walked into my first Pentecostal church. And when I walked in that church, there was something I felt. I went to church when I was before that. Yeah, I went to church. I was faithful going to church. I went twice a year, Christmas and Easter. I gave my little offering when I went to church. I uh, I said my now I lay me down to sleep prayer at night. And you know what? I was confirmed. I was a member. I was a member of that church. Which means what? I'm on my way to glory. No. I found out it was more than going to church twice a year. It was more than this saying my now my lay me down to sleep prayer. It was more than just giving a few bucks of the offering. I could feel God dealing with me prior to that. I was over Faith's house and the family was singing some songs. And when they were singing those songs, God was convicting me then. I didn't know nothing about Pentecost. I didn't know nothing about what I needed to do. But that hurt my heart, hurt my heart. First time I walked into the Pentecostal church, the Acts 2.38. When I walked in there, they opened the Bible. They opened the Bible, Acts 2.38. It was like a, like a light hit me in the face. Like, I didn't even know that was there. When I went home to look in my Bible to see Jesus named Baptism, it wasn't in there. You know why? Because I was looking at Matthew 28, 19. I wasn't looking at Acts 2, 38. And it wasn't until a while later that I realized there were two separate scriptures. But they mean the same thing. It wasn't one that was this way and one was the other way, but it was in the name of Jesus. Face uncle baptized me two Wednesdays after that. In the name of Jesus. I made up my mind that I was going to serve God no matter what. I made up my mind that whatever came against me, I want to always put him first. The Lord took me, took that desire of drinking, smoking, of going to church twice a year, away from me. He gave me a desire to serve him. Nobody had to tell me, Bill, you know what? You know, since you're church, you know, you shouldn't do that stuff. But if we let the Holy Ghost, Amen. the Holy Ghost leads us and guides us, Lord. he's going to show us the way he wants us to go. Amen. It doesn't matter what uh, people may say, but the devil will come against us. And when he comes against us, he will 
try to get us to go back. When Faith was in the uh, senior class, they had a, had a store where they sold candy and paper and, and all kinds of stuff. When I walked in that room, there was this song going on in, the, in there. And I'm looking around for Faith. Where are you at? When I found her, I said, we have to get out of here now. She said, what? That music. Anybody tell you that music doesn't affect you? It does. I said, we have to get out of here now because I could literally taste the pot in my mouth. It was the devil trying to drew me back. Remember when you were doing this? But I made up my mind, like I said that I was going to serve God. Over the years, have I messed up? Yeah. Have I had my ups and downs? Yeah. Have I ever failed God? Yeah. But you know what? He always brought me back. When we repent and ask God to forgive us, he'll bring us back. I don't want to take this for granted, standing behind this pulpit. I don't want to take anything granted that God has given me to do. I just want to be used of God. Amen. I want to be in a place where I can encourage somebody, help somebody, and do what God wanted me to do. Before Brother Vincent comes up here, last week I talked about the donkeys and the coat when Jesus rode on there. That man that had that coat, I'm assuming that God was dealing with him that somebody's going to come and ask you for your coat and for your donkey. Tell him to go ahead and take it because the master needs it. And I want to be in that place that whatever God wants me, whatever the master wants me to be, that's what I want to be. Brother Vincent. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's just thank God and ask God to use us and lead us and guide us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just begin to worship that name of Jesus right now? Father, we thank you, Lord, for what we feel in this place right now. Jesus, Lord, we ask you, Lord God, to open the hearts, Lord, of all these people, Lord Jesus. Open the eyes of all these church members, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, touch them, touch them right now, Lord Jesus. Lord God, open their hearts to you, Jesus. Open their eyes to you, Jesus. Open their ears to you, Jesus. Let them hear your word, Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord, touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, moving every single person in this service right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, speak through them and speak to them, Jesus, Lord Jesus. Let them not leave the same way they feel, Jesus, right now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. We praise your mighty name, we praise your mighty name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus.
cross, Lord, for me, Jesus. You thought I was worth dying for, Jesus. Come on, church. Can we just think about that for a few seconds? Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You died just for me, Jesus. You died just for me, Jesus. Hallelujah. You sacrificed your own self, Jesus, for me, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. I never want to take that for granted. Hallelujah, Jesus. I never want to take my life for granted. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. You are great and grateful to be praised, Jesus. Every time I get an opportunity to praise your name, Jesus, I never want to take it for granted, Jesus. Hallelujah, I want to praise you with every breath that I have inside of me, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on. Somebody needs to cry out to Jesus right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to cry out to Jesus right now. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Now is not the time to be quiet. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Shout if you've been set free. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Now is not the time to sit there in your own pit and party. Come on, somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Shout if you have victory in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout if you've been, if you came to a Pentecostal church today. Come on, somebody. We're going to try that one more time. Shout if you went to a Pentecostal church today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's okay to be loud. Hallelujah. 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 It's okay to shout. It's okay to dance. It's okay to praise the name of Jesus. This is not the type of church that you have to be quiet in. Hallelujah. You can shout with a liberty. You can praise with a liberty. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see, we want to see Jesus lifted high. 
Come on, that's the church. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Do not be afraid of what the enemy has been brought before you. I have all power over the enemy. Just keep your eyes focused on me, not on what's going on around you. I'm quite aware of the wiles of the enemy in these last days. Keep your Holy Spirit inside of you. Ignite that Holy Spirit inside of you. But he is the one that will carry you through to all times. As you remain standing, let's welcome Brother James Marlon to the pulpit today. Hallelujah, this is a place that is on fire this morning, and I feel it in my spirit. I'm expecting great things. And hallelujah, I was just so impressed that God has already taken care of some stuff. I believe that the moment that you prayed, and I know he's watching, but uh, Pastor Mark Jones, I believe you're feeling so much better. Some people, when they pray, or getting prayed for are moved by the excellency of words, so to speak. The, they want to be preached to, in other words, while they're being prayed for. But that's not how it works. It is demonstrated, it's taught, it is said that when you come to God, you come to him not wavering in faith. Just believe that whatever thing that you're going to ask for, he's going to deliver it. And because I can see all that, and you know, it, it wasn't about the words that were spoken in the prayer, but it was your faith in God that rose up to him. It was your praise that came up as a sweet aroma to him. And it was those things that caused him to come and dwell among the praises of his people. And when God dwells in your praises, when he is around you, things begin to manifest in your life. Things that you have been asking for, literally what you need, strongholds are broken, things begin to happen that 
And y'all please do keep him in prayer. He seems to keep having me come here when he's feeling under the weather. I'm praying that I'll come here one day and he'll be sitting right there, you know, praising God with you. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to try to keep everything within the time limit so y'all pray for me. Lately, that's been hard for me to do. It is. If you have your Bibles, or I don't know if we put it up on the screen or not anymore, but let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 18. And I've got a little bit of reading here, verse 35 through 43. And amen. All right, we got technology rolling, so if some of you don't even need your Bibles, if you want to, you just look up on the screen. And the word reads, it says in Luke 18, 35 through 43, it says, And it came to pass that as soon as he had come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging and hearing. Somebody say hearing. hearing. It's very important. In hearing the multitude pass, he asked what it meant. You know, it's going to take a lot of people to promote Jesus. It's going to take a lot of people to talk about him. It's going to take a lot of people to testify. It's going to take a lot of people to make a joyful noise when they know Jesus announced. And that will cause people to ask what is going on and become interested in the things of God. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. When he heard that, he got a little excited. Because when you know Jesus is coming through, that means that your opportunity is here when all your troubles can be over. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him. Isn't there always somebody that's trying to stop you from receiving, be a roadblock, tell you to be quiet, tell you it won't work? I mean, uh, the enemy will send some negative people in your life to try to stop you from accomplishing a goal or receiving any type of liberation from bondage. That he should hold his peace, but he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood, stops everything. Holds the whole crowd and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him. You know, when you cry out to God, when you call upon him, when you praise him, Jesus will come where you are and he'll ask you and he'll say, What do you need? You've done your part this morning. You got dressed up. I mean, you got up early. Some of you came with expectations. If you came with expectations, then you need to understand you are prepared to receive whatever it is you need, thus and more this morning. If you brought your faith with you, if you decide to all hot before I even get out the shower, before I leave the house, our praise is already in my mouth continually. I'm going there for a change and a new thing. And saying, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Yes, Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Want the title of this morning's message to drop all excuses. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. He had every reason where he was or to say he couldn't make it. He even had people telling him to hold back. But this man 
said, you know, I need mercy. This man said, I'm tired of it all being the same. I need my sight. I need my freedom. I need to be healed. How many of you have come here feeling as though you need something today? Understand it may be a process, but if you come with the faith and the expectation, you can have it now to manifest. You can have it begin to manifest before you leave. It doesn't have to be the same when you go. So again, he heard that Jesus was passing by. I want to let you know this morning that most people have their daily lives with the usual and the expected routines. And you know, church folk are no different. We have the, have the usual expected routines and agenda. Everything that we do, it's planned and it's expected with an outcome. We plan and we expect to get up in the morning, to get dressed, to have our usual breakfast where we have coffee or tea or And then we all expect to make it to work and to come home and do it all over again the next day. It is a routine. Yeah. It is planned. It is what is expected day by day. However, what we don't plan for, as far as those things go, we don't plan to be late for work. We don't plan for our cars to break down. We don't plan to have accidents or the worst. And this is our usual because we don't plan for it. We, never think, we also usually never think or plan about something unusual or an unexpected thing to happen, whether it's a blessing or a tragedy. We feel like nothing surprising can happen because it's not the usual thing. When you walk into the house, probably later on, you'll be expecting to see things in the usual position, in the usual way. The usual smells. If there was a problem that you left that was in the house, you may go there and expect that problem to still be there. But please be prepared that God can make unusual things happen in your life. But we don't expect things to be unusual for anything to be wrong because that's just, we feel like things are always going to be fine. But now, on the other hand, there's a different type of people. Can I say just that we're all included? There's a different way of thinking for everyone that we switch back and forth to. On the other hand, people who have had it so bad for so long believe that the suffering state of their condition is the usual routine. And the expectations that are nothing out of the unusual will never happen to make it better. They, they expect things to be bad, in other words. They expect themselves to always be sick. They expect themselves to always need constant medications. They never expect to have enough money. They expect to live from paycheck to paycheck or to be on welfare. They expect to always be sick, saddened, depressed, and weak. They expect no type of financial increase or any type of financial blessings will come. And this is their usual thing. It is their mindset. I don't know if I've said it here before, and I keep repeating this to all the places that I go and have to speak at sometimes and the other churches, but, you know, I, I've been poor. I've been in the projects or the ghetto, so you may uh, say I have participating in some of the stuff, but when God showed me that there was a different way of life yeah. that I could take that wouldn't involve, you know, losing my own life or staying in the same position, when he showed me that something can happen to make things change, yeah. 
Now, if you've been in those situations, I can go in there and help you get out, but I'm not going to stay in there with you because I've had a taste of what God does in my life that I've considered to be the unusual, and now it's become my usual thing in life. But anyway, they have no expectations or forms of blessing. They're not expecting anything to come. This is the usual thing. And it is daily. The only difference to this side is, is that they have a tendency to believe that it is impossible for things to change for the better. So they're thinking once it is, that's how it always is. If it's broke, it'll never be fixed. If it's dark, it'll never lighten up. If it's dirty, it'll never become clean. But you must learn that every day of life is not always going to be the same way. Sooner or later, an opportunity or a season will come. And sooner or later, something must break and change. Know that there will be times in your life when God will interrupt the usual with the unusual to make impossibilities all possible. These times represent a Greek word that is called a keros moment. A keros moment is... Which is a very important, it's a very important moment that signifies the beginning of the times and the seasons when God is about to manifest the blessings, those blessings that you thought that were impossible for you to obtain in your life. And this time will come for every one of you, but it comes in its due season. When your season comes, however, you must be ready to give the correct response when God presents that opportunity to you in order to obtain what you thought was impossible. You with me so far? So the correct response must be given. That correct response, just as you prayed this morning, and I mean you said your praise is up, you were ready, but above everything else, you had absolute faith. And you were disregarding all your issues, all your worries, all your problems. You said, I am going to focus on the moment at hand because God is here right now ready to do something. So I don't have time to cast my focus on anything else. Thank you, Jesus. So in that case, Jesus is passing through. And a blind man named uh, uh, the son of Bartimaeus hears that he is passing through. And he gives the correct response without any hesitation by immediately acknowledging his presence and calling out to him. This is his keros moment. The arrival and the passing through of Jesus, please understand that it must always met with an acknowledgement through praise, through crying out, through worship, and through faith with the expectations that your needs and what you are asking for will be fulfilled just because at that moment you are in a divine and a majestic presence. It's your time. It's your season. It's your chaos moment. So you must be determined like this man. To forget about your worries, to forget about how other people see you, to forget about what they're saying to you, to forget about those people that would say things that would hold you back. How many of you feel like you get around some things and some folks that say things that try to hold you back or discourage you? You know, those are things like uh, uh, bill collectors call them, bad doctor's report, what neighbors are 
are complaining about, what children or younger folks say. Sometimes we get to that age where we don't want to argue anymore and don't want to talk about anything. We say what it is is what it is. But I want you to understand that tonight, that God did not make it so no matter how old you are, that you are to keep your mouth closed and accept whatever it is the world says. Especially when you are in the presence of a God who understands this. Not only does he forsake you, meaning he never forsake you, he doesn't forget about you, but he never leaves you, meaning that he is with you. And when you are with God, things begin to change. The impossible becomes possible. A chaos moment doesn't just have to be a moment, but it can be a lifetime of the unusual. You with me so far. Because please understand that this man was determined and he forgot about everything everybody else was saying. And as one of you repeated as I was uh, reading, he, he cried out even more so while they told him to you know, hold his peace. But he was determined to get that blessing. And so because the presence of Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Because he's getting to make what is possible become possible. Jesus said, and I'm quoting scripture, Matthew 6.34. He says this. He says, take no thought. This is familiar. Take no thought for tomorrow. Don't, I mean, I know some of us, we got some things we know, trouble and some things and some problems. Even some things we don't want to do is coming tomorrow. I got to convince myself I have to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> but right now, I'm not going to take thought of that. For tomorrow shall take thought. For the things of itself. Yes. Amen. But he's saying sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I got enough problems I need to worry about right now that I need to take care of right now. You know, we do so much better if we can concentrate on the right here and the right now on where we're at, what we're doing, what we need to be doing. If we can focus on those things, if we can take it as they say, one day at a time. We'd be all right. So therefore, when you find yourself in the presence of God, again, forget about everyone and everything. Yeah. Give your pains, your heartaches, and concerns. If you know you're really leaving them at the altar, leave them at the altar. But don't take them back with you when you go. I mean, when you leave them in Jesus' hand, you're not thinking about them anymore. You're not concerned about them anymore. You're saying that my God's got that. My God's going to take care of it. Let me kind of help you out. Jesus gives you, you know, give your entire attention to Jesus and what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up. Don't get worried about what will happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever comes. Okay. Because, understand, because he's there with you and he, when I say he's passing through, he's passing through with the intentions of healing you, blessing you, strengthening you, and empowering you. And those do, and to do more impossible things. But it's one thing when you just let him pass through and you don't stop him or get his attention. If you're not going to stop him and you're not going to get his attention, then expect things to be the same. But today, everybody understands that we had a divine appointment to meet Jesus today, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at the Claremont Pentecostal Church. With the expectation that something is going to change. That I'm going to either receive a message, a word for my life. That I'm going to get a question answered, a healing, a strengthening, a preparation, whatever it is. But give them your undivided attention and you'll be able to get all your issues, problems, and answers answered and 
Trust me, you'll be able to establish authority in all your circumstances. And the ironic thing about it is you won't have to really do anything because once you let go of it, God handles it all. Yes, because once you go ahead and get into the presence of God and let him take over, you begin to see things from a much different perspective. You begin to see that nothing is as bad as it seems when you understand God is with you. Nothing is as tough as it seems when God is with you. Instead of issues, you just begin to have faith. And then you see nothing is impossible because Jesus is with you. Okay, so later on, you know, I said, don't worry about the things of tomorrow. I want to support it with another verse. Mark 10, 27 says, with men, it is impossible. But not with God, for with God, all things are possible. So what he's saying is, whatever I am trying to solve, whatever problem I am trying to deal with, most of the time, it's going to be impossible. Some of us think we get up out of bed in the morning out of our own strength. Some of us think we are able to clothe ourselves and feed ourselves out of our own strength. But get to a position to where you can't dress yourself anymore, and to where you can't feed yourself anymore, and to where you can't wash yourself. You'll begin to realize how weak you are and just how much you need Jesus to be there. But with him, that's why you're meeting some people that are reaching 73 years old and still dancing and shouting and praising God. With him, that's why you'll meet some people that are 80 years old and they're out here going up 27, jogging through the neighborhoods and waving at folks. That's why you'll meet some people who are like 65 years old and they go to an old gym where I used to work out and they're boxing and tagging and flipping and ducking. God will make warriors and strong people out of you and your anointing, your blessings, your calling. It doesn't stop until the day he calls you home. But he's saying that you can't do this alone. You can't do with man, it is impossible. But with God, the key word is with God. Somebody say, with God. All things are possible. Matthew 6, 27, he says, which of you by taking a thought can add one cubic under his statue? He says, just by thinking about it. You know, God is a God, all he has to do is think about something and it happens. Sometimes he don't even have to say anything, just think about it. I thank God that he is thinking about all of us each and every single day, all the time. That's how we make it. That's how we get through. Because you have an everlasting, all-powerful, the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end, the Lion of Judah, thinking of you. But which of you, one of us, can any of us grow an extra inch? Or make ourselves an extra inch taller. So in other words, if you can't do it, make yourself even grow an extra inch taller. If you can't do it, no. But God considers this thing, and you can tell by the way he's asking the question, he considers it to be a simple thing. Yes. Do you know how much science and stretching, and I hear about people getting their knees done and their arms done with all these millions of dollar operations to try to get longer or taller or extend some part of their body, but that God can do it with a thought? Amen. Amen. So it says, which one of you can even think about it and make it happen? 
But I tell you what, if you change your thinking on some things and you begin to realize that with man it's impossible, with God it's impossible, then all things will be possible to you. And yes, dare I say, even growth. You can grow in the spirit. You can grow financially. You can grow in health. You can grow. But remember, he has to be with you. So we can't do anything to better our issues or our situations. We can't make excuses. We can't better anything except to totally and consistently give him our undivided attention and always depend on him. Now, none of us can see Jesus in the physical. But then, you know, I think about it, and blind Bartimaeus couldn't either. And then at the time, he couldn't hear Jesus, but he could hear a bunch of people making noise and coming down the way. And, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard an audio voice of him either. But there's something about Jesus that when he comes, things begin to change and people know that he is around. Oh, somebody better praise God for that. Because once you know he's around, your Keros moment is beginning to take place. And that is the time when you feel his spirit, when you know his presence is there, when you get into a place where there's many testimonies, when you get into a place where you know people used to have cancer, but they don't have it anymore. Or they used to have sickness, but they don't have it anymore. Or they used to have financial issues, but now they're testifying about how God brought them through and blessed them. But they had nothing, but God reached into the nothing in their life, and he made plenty. I mean, you have to understand, when you hear those things, then you too would know to cry out for Jesus to go wherever it is he is. And so, because most of the mess that we're in, we can't get out of it unless God pulls us out. So you might as well acknowledge his presence. Now, if he says he never leaves you, acknowledge his presence. That means he's here with you. Not just when you walked in the door, but he was here with you watching you all night. He didn't slumber or sleep. He was with you, yes, when you went to the restroom, when you took a shower, when you went to the doctor, while you were eating. He was there. If you would acknowledge his presence, everywhere you go would be a victory. Every problem you have would turn into a testimony. Everything that you think that is impossible would become possible. God will help you to deal with whatever things come when the time comes. You know, whenever people used to need something, and I used to find this out at work a lot, but when we used to need something, we saw people with the things that we had, we would always watch them. I worked at a paint store for, Lord knows, a long time, I think about 15 or 16 years. And uh, the district manager would come in, and they always had nice stuff, the nicest shirt the nicest uh, smartphones. They were given the nice company car and they looked so happy. And you just see them and kind of smile and hope they were noticing. You would hope they were coming and you know, just talk to you. And it's because they had something that you needed and it was the power to promote or to give raises. And so when they come, we, we always watch them because you know, if they come in our direction, you know, we felt like we'd get a chance to get their attention. And we get a chance to ask them for whatever it is that we needed and, you know, hopefully receive it. And so that's why I'm saying you've got to recognize when Jesus is coming through because he has the power to promote 
and to praise and to change the things that are going on in your life. Somebody right. hear me out. Yes. This is why living this life and acknowledging his presence is so important because when I stop thinking about him, then my mind goes everywhere else and I'm disturbed yes. and I'm worried and I'm no longer acknowledging his presence. Now Isaiah says if you would keep your mind focused and stayed on him, then you would have perfect peace because you're not distracted, you're not worried about, you're not concerned about people rebuking you and telling you to hold your peace or telling you you can't have this and you can't have that. You don't even hear them or don't even see them because your mind is stayed on the one who can make things possible. Your mind is stayed on him and you're focused on him. You are living in that chaos moment and you plan on having an eternity of it. That means everything that I do, I'm going to prosper. I'll have the blessings of Abraham. Wherever my feet go, that is going to become mine. Whoever blesses me is going to be blessed. Whoever curses me, God is going to curse him. Look, I'm going to have a nation as many as the stars and of the sand. But you got to keep your mind focused on where you are. Hallelujah. What you're doing, and it has to be with God. Because you see, he's passing through. God is not a God that stays in the same place. But he goes on and he'll take you with him from glory to glory. He's not a God that's going to keep you praising him on yesterday's blessing. But he wants to do a new thing in you so that you have a new blessing, a new testimony, a new praise, a new song, a new dance, a new look, a new way to talk, a new way that you walk. Come on, man. Hallelujah. David said, I'll lift my, uh, mine eyes unto the hills from whence my help cometh. Oh my gosh. From where his help is coming. Let me ask you something. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? We were watching a man in the store open. He blesses somehow and give us a raise and a promotion. I did that a lot. And so for about 14 years, I got nothing. But then finally, I decided to stop looking at him and look up to the hills. And when I looked up to the hills, my help comes. When I looked up into the hills, finance came in. When I looked up into the hills, respect and acknowledgement. And somebody was establishing me. And I got moved from one place to another, but in a higher position than what I already was. Where are you looking? Are you looking for where your help, for where your help, your help to get up in the morning, your help to keep your sight, your help to keep your hearing, your help for your family. Are you looking at, I don't know, Washington Mutual Bank or Chase Bank? Are you looking to what the president says or what's said on the news? Are you looking for a stimulus package or check? Where are you looking? David said, I will
come again, but trust me, he's not staying and he's taking somebody. Bear with me, I'm almost done. I'm not going to finish with this. I'm really butchering this thing. Life is a battle, and I believe the son of Bartimaeus was going through a battle. And some of us, we get, well, can I just say all of us? Is it all right if I just be real? You know, not everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Invincible. <laughs> some of us get wounded in battle. Yes. And I'm sure that Bartimaeus was, he had to be hurt many times because he was living blind back then. And most certainly it could not have been an easy life for him. It had to be just miserable. Can I just say awful, just terrible, a horrible time from born, being born, and all the way till then. So being blind back then, certainly, you know, there was no one to really take care of him. No insurance like we have today. No doctors or surgeries or medical attention to help him to get his sight back. No stimulus package. Let's listen, all he could do, the only thing that he could do was lay outside on the road and beg and hope. Can you imagine that? Imagine sitting out there on 27 right now where people are just driving and zooming by. Nothing but the grass and woods behind. You just sitting there on a blanket. And every time somebody comes by, you're like one of those people holding a sign up. Saying, you know, you, you need help. Help me. And people don't trust you because they don't know if you're using it as some sort of scam or you're just too lazy to work. But the main thing we don't do is we don't help him because we just don't trust him. Because we've been scared. But here's a man who was clearly blind. And it was back then in those days. So all he could do was lay outside the road and beg and hope that someone would show mercy and give him money to buy food. And then he probably had to hope nobody would rip him off or rob him of money. Maybe there were teenagers going by and instead of throwing money into his can or into his... Uh, on his blanket or whatever. They might have been throwing rocks or little wood chips or what have you. Even worse. And surely at that time, he was probably covered with scabs and wounds and diseases of his mentality. And that was from the battles and the harshness of life. Until the day that he met Jesus Christ. Now listen. Let me tell you something. So he, he had a bunch of scabs. So scabs cover sores or flesh wounds, so to speak. And when a scab begins to come on your body from a wound that you have, it is a process of healing. Yes. But they are not completely healed until they naturally fall off the wound. When they become healed, they're no longer wounds, but they become what are scars. Scars, of course, never go away and they stay there. And ladies, I know y'all complain about that. Men, we like to brag about it. I got this scar from this war or this fight. My wife likes to hide every scar she can. But scars are to show that when you are that you that you were once wounded, but now you're healed. 
Scars can signify and remind you of your testimony. They say that you went through a tough battle and got wounded, but now you are healed. But the problem is the healing, like I said, it takes a process. Because when you're getting a scab, it sometimes itches or it feels sore. It's a little irritating. And people have a bad habit for scratching them off because of how they feel. Itches, it bothers you. Just like the sores and the wounds in life, they hurt. And they itch. And it's meant to think because sometimes you don't recover, you know, after right after this happened. You're not, you, you know, we're human beings. We're not like some dogs or some animals that when their offspring die or they get hurt, they forget about it later like everything's fine in maybe an hour or so or a few minutes. But it kind of has a tendency to stay with you. And then when they do that, when they stay with you, we keep scratching them off because they bother. But then when you scratch off and scratch the scab off, the wound begins to bleed again. And it's vulnerable to germs. And it takes longer to heal. Hear me, somebody. The more that you scratch it, the more that it opens up. There are some things in the past you are just let go and let the dead things bury the dead and start to move on with the living. That's why when Jesus came to blind Bartimaeus, he didn't want to just stay there after his healing, but he got up, the Bible said, and he began to follow. He's got a plan for somebody. But the more you scratch it, the more it opens up. And I know it's irritating, but you've got to somehow receive that healing. And the only way that it can happen is by you talking to God about it and making your peace with it. The more it opens, it's not good news to have sores and scabs on you too long. If you have sores and scabs on you too long, the wound becomes infected and the sickness needed to worse. When people have sores and scabs on too long, they begin to turn on each other. They don't want to socialize. They don't want to love you. And I'm not saying, you know, socialize. It's like some people, you'll just find you have to love them from a long distance. Right. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Stay away from them because you don't want no trouble. Yeah. You don't no want no trouble. problems, no yeah. irritation. I'll pray for you, but, you know, I'll be over here. You Amen. stay over there. We'll be good. Amen. No trouble. Oh, my Lord. But if you have those sores and scabs too long, they become infected. And lead to a sickness or worse. Eventually, the wound becomes worse and infected. And let me just ask this: I'm going to cut all that off. Are there any, are there any people here who are scabbed up, but you haven't been healed of? You've gone through some battles and you survived, but you still got those sores that didn't heal. Some of us get a feel-good message from preaching or teaching and say that we're empowered. And we leave and come back the next week with the same wounds that we had last week. Mm -hmm. And the cycle goes on and the wounds get worse and eventually be affected with depression and doubt and hopelessness because it's sometimes a healing process. As I said, it just doesn't go away. And also then when some people are scabbed up, they don't want anybody to touch them anymore to get too close. It's because their wounds. You ever had a sword? You don't want anybody. To, anybody ever had a sword part of your body that people just keep knocking and bumping into? <laughs> it never just stops. And I mean, sores can be anything. And it's something that you mentally are, are sensitive about. Yes. 
How many of you been to high school and you bought those new pair of white sneakers and you know you shouldn't be wearing them in that crowded place and you worried about getting stuck? Brother, I can see by the way you shaking your head, you, might, you like me, might have been in a couple of fights about it, just because somebody... <laughs> and a wound is the same way. People are bumping into it, and they scream out, Ow, what's wrong with you? Watch where you going? And the person says, oh, I didn't mean it, I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> but that's why some church folk will stay so distant because they haven't healed from those wounds and th that they've received in the battles of their lives. They survived them, but they're not healed. So sometimes when prayer is offered for sickness, they don't come to the altar because they don't want you to know that they're sick or hurt. Because they don't want other people to think that they have been in sin. You know, a lot of times we condemn folks when they want to come and receive salvation. We condemn folks when we're having issues or arguments with them when they want to come to the altar and be prayed for. But it's not our right to go ahead and condemn. We have to be obedient and pray for them if they need it. A brother or a sister in the church should be somebody that you can confess your sins to and not feel embarrassed about it. They're supposed to be somebody that helps you to get through them if they're willing to receive it. Right. But some folk don't receive it because they're embarrassed about people thinking that because they've been in sin, they are being punished by God. But the truth is that bad things happen to good people. The truth is, I want you to understand this morning that every last one of you is a soldier in the army of the Lord. You are going to fight. You are going to be persecuted. You are going to be hated of the world for his namesake. But Christ says, fear not because I have overcome the world. So that means you can too. So every time you have a problem, look at it as an opportunity for testimony. Every time you have a problem, look at it as another opportunity to praise God. When you get sick, look at it as another opportunity to praise God because you're going to be healed. God is going to do something. He is going to make what you think is impossible become the possible because you are having a lifelong Keros moment with him. But bad things happen to good people. But if you don't ask for help or ask for prayer, how will anyone know you need help till you tell them? Listen, this is real deep and then I'm, I'm, I'm closing in a minute. James 4.2 says you love us. And you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in a war. Some of you are going through a battle right now. Yet you have not, like you said, brother, because you ask not. Now please understand this. You're going through some things and struggles and pains with not only others, but maybe I want you to understand that it is within yourself. James says that you have lust. He's saying you're lusting. Now, it's not just the lust of the eyes or the flesh or the pride of life, etc. but you can also lust, rather, or have a craving for a healing. You can lust and have a craving for freedom from pain or strongholds, liberation from sickness or loneliness or finances. And you see everybody else with it, but the problem is you can't seem to obtain it. Yeah. 
And thus it causes a conflict that is going on inside of you. It causes you to lose faith in God and to think God just can't or he won't. But the truth is, as James said, you just simply didn't ask him. And to know that in due time, he'll give it to you. He'll have that keros moment with you. So that others are doing things that God isn't pleased with. Don't get me wrong. They're doing things that God isn't pleased with to get what they need or what they want. And their wounds are becoming worse. And because consequently, in our in our aspirated in our exaggerated frustration, we struggle and we fight with others and distance ourselves from others, even the ones who pray for you and advise you and help you and you don't want anybody to come too close to you or touch those unhealed wounds because it hurts. Then you don't allow those wounds you have and they can't heal properly because you keep doing things that prevent them from healing. And you don't get what you want because you simply did not ask God for it when his presence arrived. You let him just pass on by. Can I get two more minutes with y'all? That's why you got to admire blind by the mayors. Because he didn't let the wounds of his life stop him. He didn't let those people, what they said to him, get in the way. He didn't let his life and all that he had been through cause him to become belittled or bitter. But he set aside all those excuses and all those issues and didn't worry about his social status or position in life. But he ignored the people that were telling him to be quiet and focused on and gave the to Jesus Christ by calling out to him over everybody else's voice. Sometimes you got to shout out to the God above and over all your issues. Shout out to the God above over the people that tell you to be quiet. And when you're trying to speak life over yourself, don't stay quiet when Jesus is coming through. Listen, the devil wants you to stay quiet. The devil wants you to keep the praise and the calling of him out the way. The devil wants you to keep your, from getting your healing or your promotion or your financial blessing or your liberty or whatever. But he wants you to stay quiet in your current and non-prospering and begging state. Because if you don't call him, he can keep you in poverty. If you don't praise him, he can keep you sick. If you don't praise him, you'll stay down. If you can't get into his presence, his spirit won't be there. There'll be no liberty. He can keep you in prison in a stronghold. Bartimaeus dropped all the issues. And the only one he had left was to call out over all the voices. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He will hear your faintest cry. And he'll fix it by and by. Get a little fire burning. The woman with the issue of blood pressed her way through the crowd. And that was her only issue. She didn't care who she bumped into, who what they said to her. She stopped worrying about everything else and made up her mind in faith that all she needed to do was touch Jesus. <laughs> you are not going to touch Jesus by somebody preaching to you while they pray. You are not going to touch Jesus because you love the scene that's going on. You are going to touch Jesus because you are wanting to and you are determined to and you won't let anything stop you. So you made up, get up with God on my mind. 
crying and giving my undivided attention. I'm going to get dressed up for this. I'm going to start praising him while I'm in the shower. When I get out of the shower and on the way, I'm going to touch Jesus. Oh, he's not going to pass by me this time, but I'm going to grab the hem of his garment. No matter who I got to get through, I'm going to get that healing. I'm going to get that blessing. You can get it if you're determined. Come on, clap your hands in the Lord. Isn't it amazing how God can just do things when you've got nothing for so long, but when he comes by, he can change your whole entire life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm all done for now, but I just, I don't have time to finish. But when she finally touched him, her issue of the blood that she had for so long, after she trusted in the finances she had and the money she had, so long, it had to get to a point to where she had nothing left. That's right. Sometimes God has to get us to a place to where we have nothing. Sometimes He has to get us to the place where we're down so low that down looks down on us. Because just like in the beginning, it's when He reached into nothing and pulled out something. Some of us have to get put down into nothing, and then when He's passing by, are you ready yet? And you see Him or you hear He's coming, then you'll go ahead and call Him because you're looking to the hills where your help comes. Your eyes are off nothing. You say, "I've got nothing to lose." Some of us have nothing to lose. If you understand that earth is the Lord's, that means everything here don't belong to you. Naked you came, naked you look, you got nothing to lose. So call out to him if you want to be sustained. Look for him, church. Job looked for him even while he was sick and going through things. Now you talk about scabs, he's scraping them off with rocks and laying in a pile of ashes. And he's hearing how people, his friends are abusing, how his wife is like, just go on and curse God and die. But Job continuously sought God. Amen. And man, when he found him, when he finally got into the master's presence, and they began to talk. This is why everywhere I go, and some of you heard me say before, you cannot get into God's presence and then expect nothing not to change. That's right. That's right. So the unusual happened to him, but there was a second unusual coming. When he got into his presence, his body was healed. When he got into his presence, everything he lost was restored. Some of us need restoration. But then even after the restoration, some of us need to pull on. And Job's restoration wasn't the same as what he had, but it was more. Because God has something more. He has a new praise, a new testimony. Come on, somebody stand with me and clap your hands. Hey, over Pastor Mark, I hope you ain't too upset. <laughs> but someone here this morning needs to have that chaos moment, but you're going to have to drop any excuse. If you are in need of prayer, then this is that time you need to come forth and get through everything and everybody else. This is the time when you need to stop focusing on the people next to you or around you and what they think. But look to the hills where your help comes. Focus on the one that made heaven and earth. And he'll heal your body. He'll supply your every need. He said again, you can't do anything. But with him, all things are possible. You can't even grow without him. Anybody here who's never spoken tongues before? And you want to be empowered. Now, I understand maybe everybody doesn't understand that, but the Bible says that tongues is the evidence of you being saved. 
And some people are like, okay, but I already know I am saved, even though I never spoke in it. And it also says that it edifies you. The edification means to empower. Now, the other people that hear it, it means nothing to them unless you've got an interpreter. Y'all have one that I already know can interpret. But every time you speak, and that's why Paul wished that everybody would speak it when they pray, you are edifying yourself because you are letting go, you're letting God, you are allowing him to talk for you, to speak up for you, to orchestrate for you, to go ahead and tell what you need. It's his spirit inside of you. But if you've never spoken tongues before, he wants to enter into you. This is that opportunity, and what does it always say, uh, sister, where God will take uh, control, where well, God will empower you to take control of your circumstances instead of them taking control of you. Amen. Amen. But you can't be held back. And then understand healing is a process. And when you go out that door, you may face the same things. But this time, the fight is different. This time you'll be able to punch back. Look, saints of God, don't be somebody who let the devil just beat up on you. Amen. But fight back. If you sin, fight back in repentance. If you're going through, fight back with praise. Amen. If you can't see, ask him. If you can't ask, you better start looking for him and catch him while he's passing by. Jesus is here this moment. And he wants to empower you, all right? Amen. Other than that, if you're someone who's not looking for salvation, then I invite everyone to come to the altar that needs prayer. If you want to go ahead and come in.